Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through four media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, via our magazine, and now in our video channel. They are all now available to you at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Each month we touch more than one million small business leaders through our various channels. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are chosen for their expertise or experience. They do not pay to be on our program, but rather our editors and viewers and and listeners identify them. And our, our topics are those that are of possible interest to our audience. If you have any suggestions or particular topics you want us to cover, please email us at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Also, if you get a chance, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. We're there at Small Business Digest Radio. Tonight's program, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the topics you want to hear. We have live with us now Kev Coleman a leading exchange expert and head of research and data at Health Pocket. He's here to discuss the, the, uh, the questions that need to be asked and answered to, in order to fully understand the failings of the federal health care exchange. But I want to, Kev, are you with us? Yes, I am, Don. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Kev, uh, um, when I... Uh, when I saw the little notice about you that came across my desk, I wanted you on the program. But uh, uh, since we, uh, we, our audience is primarily small business, um, I, I think we should put it, frame it in um, almost what not to do. Um, but I, I really wanted to get into um, uh, into the whole issue uh, of the healthcare exchange. Because I Certainly. think it's so vitally important, and I also want to—I uh, haven't heard the word kerfluga in a long time, uh, <laughs> uh, and that was—we'll uh, get into that in a minute. But Kev, we always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves before we get into the subject. Well, certainly. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the head of research and data at healthpocket.com. We're a website that um, compares and ranks insurance plans within the U.S. Uh, one of my duties is to analyze the U.S. Um, health insurance marketplace, and I've published uh, you know, over a dozen studies uh, in 2013 on that subject. Um, in a uh, prior life, uh, prior career, I had also um, been one of the people responsible to um, help build a Medicare insurance exchange. So uh, I'm intimately familiar with the technological dimensions of uh, developing a uh, insurance uh, exchange site, uh, you know, like the federal exchange. And I also worked uh, for 
uh, time at the um, you know, largest online broker of uh, individual and family plan insurance uh, in the U.S., which is another form of a private exchange. So hopefully I have the background to be able to answer your questions. Well, um, uh, I think there are questions. If you saw today's uh, uh, congressional hearings, uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of questions, very few answers. But what do you think is the main well, – let's let's go broad and then uh, drill down. What do you think are the the main uh, problems facing um, uh, 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 government health, uh, uh, whatever, .gov? Uh, certainly. Um, I, I think, you know, as we take a, a look at the project and trying to retrace the steps uh, to launch uh, the federal exchange, we see that there were uh, profound problems with respect to the project management process and ongoing supervision of the project. Uh, not only was insufficient time allotted for testing, but also for the programming fixes to remedy the problems that normally are found during testing. Um, one of the issues that you have in software development is that when you implement a bug fix, that often requires subsequent what's called regression testing to verify that the new code that you've implemented does not inadvertently break other aspects of the code. Uh, another uh, contributing factor to the problems on the healthcare.gov exchange was it looks like a waterfall development method was used to actually design the project. And that's where you have a completely separate initial stage where you gather requirements, then you transition to coding, then you finish coding and you go into uh, testing and then release. And that's really not the way that uh, a lot of the best commercial software is uh, developed for large-scale pr uh, projects in the U.S. right now. The, the problem with that waterfall method is that uh, you can have very long projects, and you don't know if there's massive problems until the very end of the project when you're going into testing. The uh, best practices in U.S. software development is to have what's known as an agile approach, where you do these smaller incremental releases of functionality within your test environment so you can validate it, then add new functionality, uh, validate it, and you're just doing this iterative process to develop larger and larger uh, software system. And I think that really would have benefited the federal uh, exchange. I mean, obviously, everyone who's worked on that project has tried very hard to do a good job. They had the best of intentions. But, uh, you know, the, the website launch was uh, plagued with, uh, you know, glitches and problems. And, you know, the governments had to be uh, quite forthright on that issue, uh, you know, now that, you know, we're, uh, you know, at the end of October and, uh, you know, the federal exchange is not uh, you know operating perfectly at this point. Well, uh, you, uh, the road to, to hell was, is uh, paved with good intentions. There's an old <laughs> saw. Uh, but but um, uh, interestingly, um, uh, obviously, a, a project like that has both political and uh, 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 technical ramifications. But it surprised me. That they did that they did not like take. A, I believe I, I assume you were working for e uh, e insurance or one of those before. Uh, other exchanges have have worked, and indeed, the private there are a number of private exchanges already existing. Uh, uh, Mercer has one, etc. But um, what do you think of uh, why didn't they? Um, go and use something like that? Um, well, I, I, 
there were other companies bidding on this contract, and I think a very legitimate uh, question from the press uh, to the administration is, uh, who else bidded on the project, and what were the costs and uh, design proposals associated with those bids? Um, I, I think it would be enormously helpful for um, the administration to be transparent on that, because the lessons learned could help us uh, avoid, uh, you know, future problems with other large-scale uh, IT projects for the government. Because one of the issues that people don't like to accept is that we're just at the beginning of health care reform. You know, at, at the end of the day, this is just dealing with health insurance, and health insurance is largely the expression of the underlying cost of delivering health care, and that's not addressed uh, in a significant way within the uh, you, know, uh, you know current uh, you know health reform laws. Uh, you know, as such, we're going to have a lot more health reform in our future, whether or not we like it. There's going to be more IT projects, more interactions with legacy systems. And the better we can leverage learnings, both good and bad, from uh, you know prior projects, the, the better chance we'll have to uh, you know avoid what happened on October 1st. Well, uh, let's go sideways for one minute. Um, a uh, study crossed my desk this, uh, today that in, that indicated that um, there seems to be a slowdown in the idea of computerizing medical records. Um, uh, that's one of the big project, projects in the future, um, uh, individual records, records et cetera. Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah, I was just saying individual health records. Yes, you're correct. Um, uh, 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 do you want to comment on that? Certainly. Uh, that's a great subject, and it's also a, a great opportunity to talk about the law of unintended consequences. Uh, for those of your listeners who are unaware, electronic health records or electronic medical records, as they're sometimes called, are just you know uh, computerized files of your health history, your prescription drugs, uh, etc. They have advantages uh, because you, you think about Hurricane uh, Katrina years back. Those doctors who had paper records, you know, they were destroyed on their patients. So when people needed to get you know, prescription refills, or they, they needed to check health history before, you know, a, a new battery of tests was run. Uh, they were in, uh, you know, a, a very bad state. Uh, were electronic health records used, you have, you know, off-site backup. You, you have a chance of being able to recover that type of information. Um, you can also get information more quickly because, you know, lab tests can be communicated electronically right to the records and communicate with the doctors. Um, you have a couple issues with uh, electronic medical records. You know, one of them is privacy. Obviously, you have profoundly personal information captured within there. And uh, you know, as is the case with any computer system, whether it be health or you know, commercial, you know, retailing, etc., uh, there is the risk of um, you know, data security breaches uh, associated with confidential information. So that's a, that's a big concern, not only among consumers, but obviously among healthcare providers. Uh, because they would you know have legal liability for those issues. Uh, another issue that we're seeing is that with uh, the advent of the Affordable Care Act, um, there is increased use of narrow networks, and that's where you're using fewer doctors and hospitals to serve more patients. It's a way to try and control premium increases now that benefits have expanded and you also have guaranteed issue where people cannot be declined for health insurance. Uh, the issue that some doctors are seeing is that they have a patient who comes in and they find out that um, 
their lab work has to be sent to you know an independent you know third party lab facility. Well, that's outside of the, their hospital's electronic medical record system, which means that you have to manually enter the data, which increases the chance for error. You're going to slow down the um, the acquisition of uh, you know, test results, um, and you know, it starts actually undermining you know, uh, some of the advantages that are in, uh, you know that are typically touted for electronic uh, electronic medical records. So. Um, you know, going back to that idea of the long unintended consequences, we're, we're seeing some real problems there. Uh, another issue you have on electronic medical records is that the people that have some of the greatest benefits of them are you know, patients and insurance companies who can mine the data and try and find out you know, what treatments or interventions are you know, more effective than others. However, the people who actually have to pay for their implementation, you know, the doctors and the hospitals, get the least benefit out of that, you know, in terms of a return on investment. So, you know, that asymmetry of return also negatively affects adoption. Well, um, uh, I, I was caught flat-footed because I was so interested in, in your response. Uh, but uh, let's go on a little bit. You say uh, you were, uh, you were uh, spent time analyzing uh, insurance, uh, 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 healthcare insurance. The, the other issue of the day is that people are discovering that, uh, uh, according to the administration, their, their coverage was substandard. Um, uh, do you have any thoughts on exactly? Uh, and it's it's obvious um, not all of us are going to be able to, to uh, keep the insurance if, that we have. But mm -hmm. what are you seeing in the trends in uh, in that area? Well, you know that that's a um, that's an important question and uh, a bit of a politically loaded one. Uh, so I'm going to do my best uh, to give a, what I think is a fair answer. Uh, you know, one of the things I should mention is that um, you know, Health Pocket is nonpartisan. Uh, we've tried to be very fair, not to uh, you know, basically reflect a particular uh, you know political or ideological agenda, but rather you know, serve as customer advocates. With respect to the idea of substandard, uh, that becomes a, a little bit of a subjective assessment. What I can tell you is that only about uh, less than 2% of existing plans within the individual and family market where people privately purchase insurance rather than getting it from an employer, only less than 2% of those plans had coverage of all the 10 essential health benefits mandated by the Affordable Care Act. So by that uh, token, you have uh, an increase in uh, health insurance benefits through health reform. Now, you know, there are two ways of seeing this. One of this is, okay, hey, I'm getting more extensive coverage. That's great, and that's a valid position. Another valid position is, hey, now I'm paying for benefits that I really don't need and wouldn't have paid for uh, previously on the private market. You know, for instance, um, you know, uh, do you necessarily need um, – mental health coverage? Do you necessarily need uh, you know, drug uh, rehabilitation uh, coverage? Um, you know, all those are you know, very you know, important forms of medical care, but not necessarily everyone uh, you know, needs to have a health plan uh, with that. Uh, so you, you can see that there's a bit of a, uh, um, let's say, an ideological divide uh, you know, on that subject. Does that help answer the question? Well, it, it opens the door for some more. But before we go, tell us what Health Pocket is. And, Certainly. Uh, 
Uh, certainly, we're, we're a free website for consumers so, they compa- uh, so that they can compare the health insurance plans available within their region and also see rankings. And what we do is we uh, leverage uh, you know, the, the best data from you know, government and nonprofit uh, data sources to be able to uh, you know, help uh, consumers make informed decisions regarding their uh, health insurance plans. Um, you, you mean I can go on and compare, uh, well, in New Jersey or Texas, the, the available plans uh, on your site? Correct. For, correct. Indivi- for individual or for small business as well? Uh, we, we have uh, both individual and small business as well as uh, Medicare. Uh, we also have information on um, uh, public programs like uh, Medicaid and you know, various other ones that help uh, you know, uh, indigent and uh, you know, um, uh, other groups needing uh, you know, specialized assistance. What about for Medicare and the yes. Medicare supplement plans? Uh, we, don't, we don't have Medicare supplement, but we do have the Medicare drug plans and the Medicare Advantage plans, which are the, you know, the ones that combine your original Medicare with a prescription uh, drug benefit. Well, um, I'm going to go on the site tomorrow because I haven't figured out mine. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 well, you it, are in open enrollment for uh, Medicare, so that's, that's an issue. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, that's true, but uh, what I don't understand in the drug program, some drugs are fr- were uh, free last year and uh, or the, uh, had a copay last year, this year or not, and it, 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 it got so crazy. And I was talking to someone at the drugstore the other day, and she was totally befuddled by it. And we're hoping the druggist is honest. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if, if I can uh, give an answer on that, it's a common point of confusion. Uh, and the issue applies equally to Medicare as well as the Affordable Care Act. The first issue in Medicare is that not every drug is covered. You know, each private you know, Medicare Advantage plan or Medicare prescription drug plan has its own list of covered drugs known as a formulary. What the law says is they need to cover at least two drugs within each therapeutic category. So, you know, one plan you know, might have uh, torvastatin and, you know, Simicor within their cholesterol lowering drugs. Another plan would have, you know, completely different drugs within that category. So it's very important to validate that your drugs are uh, covered within a, uh, you know, Medicare drug plan prior to enrollment. And on the Affordable Care Act side with the prescription drugs, they're only required by federal law to cover at least one drug in each uh, drug category. However, each state uh, chooses what's known as a benchmark plan, and that benchmark plan gives more specifics. So in you know, one drug category, you might have only one drug uh, covered, and in another category, you might be required to have you know, four or five drugs covered. So uh, once again, prior to enrollment, find out not only what the drugs are covered, but what the cost sharing is. Um, you know, all that, you know, cost sharing you were alluding to earlier, you know, like, you know, a $15 copayment or a 30% coinsurance charge. Um, there is not standardization in that. The same drug can have different cost sharing between different plans. So, uh, you know, it's very important to uh, uh, to find that out prior to uh, enrollment. Well, um, do you also look at, since this is a small business program, do you also look at small business uh uh, uh, policies and uh, offerings? I, I do. I do. That's uh, not as strong an area of uh, research, but uh, you know, I, I do look into that subject, yes. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, we're finding that more and more small businesses are getting their uh, policies canceled, 
uh, with, and uh, not even being offered a, a higher premium, but simply, are you seeing this trend? And why is it, if you if you have, do you have any idea as to why? Well, you know, um, uh, you know if it's uh, small group plans that uh, come uh, come under the purview of the Affordable uh, Care Act, there may be an impetus, uh, you know, by the uh, insurer to um, you know, cancel it because it's not in compliance with uh, you know, the new requirements. Uh, you know, these health plans must uh, have what's known as an actuarial value of 60%, which means for a typical enrollment population, 60% of medical uh, costs uh, that are covered should be paid for by the insurance plan. Uh, and they also have to meet the uh, you know, 10 essential uh, health benefits. I will say, though, within the, um, the small group environment, there was much greater uh, existing compliance within the market to the 10 essential health benefits than you would have seen on uh, you know, health insurance uh, purchased privately by individuals. But, but what, um, what is impelling the, these insurance companies, uh, you may not know, but I'll ask the question, that they are canceling so many small business policies? Well, yeah, it's uh, you know it's very hard to make a you know generalized statement without having you know a better idea of the uh, firm. Uh, one of the things that they might be doing is uh, you know basically getting their um, uh, their clients to enroll in uh, new plans. Uh, one of the things that they have to consider is that their risk pools are changing. Uh, you know, uh, particularly those uh, health insurers of small business that also offer individual insurance. You know, prior to the Affordable Care Act, they could perform what's known as medical underwriting and deny applicants based on, you know, health history or chronic conditions, et cetera. They won't be able to do that anymore, so they're now going to have to bear those costs within their risk pool. As such, you know, they're going to need to kind of adjust the amount of revenue they're taking in to make sure that they can appropriately pay out on their claims. So that may be one of the considerations, but um, that is speculation on my part. Well, it's better speculation than I've heard from anybody else. That's quite kind uh, we, of you. We've been hearing from many, many uh, companies. We do a lot of research in the, this area. Uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, we, uh, a sister site to us under our company is HSA Finder, and we've been in the health savings account area for a long time. But where do you see HSAs? in the future. Do you have any comments on that? Well, I, I think they're certainly here. You know, obviously, there's been you know, some uh, you know, modifications of, uh, as, as time has progressed, but uh, with the Affordable Care Act, um, you're going to be uh, exposing consumers to higher out-of-pocket costs, which makes more health plans look like you know, consumer-driven health plans. Um, and those, you know, the consumer-driven health plans is basically just a, um, uh, so hopefully you'll uh, shop better for your health insurance. You know, if you're going to go get, you know, an X-ray or an MRI or an echocardiograph, you'll start, you know, looking at different hospitals to see if uh, you can find one that has a better deal. Uh, you know, HSAs are a, you know, you know wonderful tool uh, towards that end in terms of being able to set aside, you know, consumer money so they can, uh, you know, appropriately spend on healthcare expenses, but still have a way to be able to, you know, retain that at, uh, at the conclusion of a calendar year and, uh, you know, uh, you know. Eventually, you could take a distribution. Uh, I believe during retirement on that. So, uh, I, I have not heard anything about uh, you know HSAs uh, you know going away. 
Well, um, the the other advantage they have is those dollars you put away uh, are not taxable until you you use them. But l- l- let's go back to our original uh, topic, if I may, which is uh, uh, how did you come up with the word kafluga? Uh, K e r. I'm spelling it, uh, spell it for our audience, and uh, that's what. Uh, by the way, uh, I wish I could use it in some marketing at some point. It really hit <laughs> hit home. Well, I, I think that you have every right to make an intellectual property claim on Kerfluga, uh because, to my knowledge, I haven't used it. Uh, someone may have uh, you know, read some of my research and decided uh, that was a perfect paraphrase of something I was commenting on, so uh, I can't take credit for it. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's spelled, I believe, K-E-R-F-L-U-G-G-E. Did I, did I hit it right? Uh, it could very well be like I, like I said, I'm not familiar with the term. <laughs> oh well, then then you've got a great PR firm. There, uh, there we go. Exactly, they, they are uh, wonderful, and creative people. Uh, well, uh, they certainly came up with a, cre- a creative one. But let's go back to that Kafluga that is the uh, uh, government health care uh, act. Um, you know, there's an old saying: you only get one chance to make a first impression. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think? Uh, do you think it will um, uh, materially uh, uh, hurt? Uh, uh, put some roadblocks in the way of people using the exchanges. Well, I mean, it's not a hypothetical. I mean, obviously, it has uh, put roadblocks and um, caused a uh, you know, less than adequate consumer experience, which has discouraged enrollment. And that's what the you know, administration and Health and Human Services uh, is you know, working on to remediate. Um, the big issue for them is that uh, they're probably going to need to relaunch their marketing efforts once everything's fixed. Uh, because otherwise, you have a real danger to your risk pool. Um, and you know, allow me to unpack that statement a little bit. Um, you know, think about the problems on the uh, health insurance exchange that have been happening for the past several weeks. Who is going to be most likely to go through that application process? Someone who's in desperate need of health insurance. Uh, you know, someone who's probably been rejected before or has been uninsured, et cetera. Uh, these are people that, um, you know, statistically are more likely to have, uh, you know, chronic illnesses, uh, you know, other, you know, health issues. They're going to be, you know, more expensive within a risk pool. And unless you get in more healthy people to balance things off, you then risk, you know, premiums, uh, you know, unacceptably inflating in 2015. Because what happens is, you know, every year, you know, health insurers take a look at the prior year's medical claims to be able to set their, you know, um, premiums for the coming year. So, so that's a real danger, and I think the administration's aware of that. So, uh, I'm waiting to see what efforts are going to make on um, what's called healthcare launch, uh, healthcare.gov launch 2.0. But but uh, let's also address that. I mean, in the past, uh, young people have not bought uh, health insurance on their own. Um, they think they're immortal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, is a four or five hundred? I don't even know. I forget, I right now forget the number. Uh, the penalty for not having it is that enough to? Uh, do you think to force them to uh, buy insurance at the rate that the uh, the planners hope? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, for those of your viewers who are unfamiliar with the tax penalty for being uninsured in 2014, it's going to be the greater of either $95 or 1% of adjusted annual income. Um, and uh, that, you know, whichever is lar- higher, whichever is yeah, whichever is larger. And um, you know, for young people, the issue is you know they're at the beginnings of their career and they make less money. Uh, you know, as such, there's going to be uh, kind of a, a lower financial penalty to to worry about for not having insurance. And if you feel you know if you're you know very healthy and um, you know don't don't use the uh, doctor frequently, you may be me- less motivated. That tax, tax penalty in 2014 may not be adequate. Uh, obviously, if you're a young person with more serious uh, you know health issues, uh, you know you're going to be happy to get insurance. You know anyway, so long as it's affordable to you. Um, now, as time goes by, that penalty increases. By 2016, it goes up to $695, or uh, 2.5% of your annual income, adjusted annual income, whichever is greater. And um, you know, at, at that point, that's you know, that's a real kick t- uh, to the wallet. Well, uh, it is, but. Uh... Uh, balancing it out that uh, whether it's 13 or 14 percent, or uh, I've heard different numbers, but uh, uh, the number I've always used is 14 percent of the population uses uh, 90 plus percent of the uh, health care uh, services in this country. Um, uh, how do you balance that out? Um, I'm asking you because uh, you're one of the most knowledgeable people I've run across, and I've been in this uh, a long time. Uh, Uh, That's very very kind of you, and I I think this returns back uh, to um, uh, the issue we discussed earlier in your show, which is the fact that we're just really beginning to see uh, see health reform, and given the the type of budgetary pressures, that are caused by the healthcare utilization you discussed, there's going to be much more extensive reforms, and it's going to be on the healthcare delivery side. You're going to have to take a look at, um, you know, how to bring the cost of intervention down, and also tackle the biggest problem in medicine, which is behaviorally based uh, health problems. Um, you know, the estimates are between like you know 30 and 40 percent of our healthcare costs are you know, traceable back to behaviorally based uh, health issues, you know, uh, smoking, uh, being obese, uh, because things like that, you know, obesity, for instance, can lead to diabetes, and diabetes uh, has uh, numerous negative effects on your health from uh, your, your blood sugar to uh, you know, wound care to ocular problems, uh, you know, et cetera. And this consumes, uh, consumes an enormous amount of our uh, you know, health care dollars. Uh, the problem is, is that it's so much harder to change human beings' behavior than it is to tinker with health insurance. Um, and I think this will be, you know, one of the great challenges of our generation uh, to to address this issue. Uh, we can talk about things like you know, evidence-based medicine, where we try and take a look at, you know, which drugs, which uh, you know, surgeries, et, et cetera, you know, have the best, you know, long-term results, best return on investment, et cetera. But uh, that's a very complicated process because, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're making decisions that are going, that are going to be directly affecting uh, you know, people's uh, health care, and there's going to be an enormous amount of political pushback. 
so um, you know, basically, you kind of strap on your seatbelt and uh, you know, watch the fireworks in the next you know five to ten years. Well, um, do you think that insurance co- the the insurance companies um, must fundamentally change as well uh, in this evolving period? Well, I, I think they are. They already are. Uh, if you take away, uh, take a look at how health insurance is changing right now underneath the, uh, the Affordable Care Act. You know, previously one of the big ways that you shopped for insurance is that you were differentiating plans based on uh, you know the level of benefits, etc. Now, with the ten essential health benefits, there's a lot of commoditization that's happening among health plans. So, how are you going to make you know decision between competing plans? Well, you're going to start taking a look at the provider networks. You know what hospitals or doctors are uh, you know, included. Um, you know there's going to be you know an even greater focus on premiums because if people are offering the same benefits, you know it's commoditized. So why shouldn't I go towards uh, you know the uh, lower cost uh, provider? So that's going to affect um, you know how uh, health insurance companies uh, do business, how they market uh, you know to consumers. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not you know the big brands in the market, you know the uh, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shields, the uh, United Healthcare's, the Humana's, the Aetna's, um, will still have the same brand halo that they've been able to use in the past, or if they'll have to become uh, you know even more price competitive. Well, let's go to the other side. Um, uh Companies have been offering health care insurance as a, as a benefit. Do you mm-hmm. think that the, uh, the pendulum will turn, and particularly among smaller companies, that they will stop to, uh, or reduce the benefits that they, they're offering over the next few years? You know, uh, that's a good question. Um, has basically muddied the water of what kind of effect there's going to be. Uh, you know, if, if that mandate had still been in place, we'd be able to make a, a pretty good judgment by now as people are preparing for you know, the next calendar year. Um, I, you know, I, yeah, at, at the end of the day, I, I don't know how it wouldn't uh, affect um, you know employer-based coverage. The question is by how much. Um, so, you know, I, I apologize. I, I don't have a stronger opinion on the subject. My uh, my crystal ball is a little bit fuzzy at this point. Uh. <laughs> but it's the smartest answer I've heard in this one in a while. Uh, uh, Kev, I, um, uh, the name of your website again? It's uh, healthpocket.com. Okay. Kev, uh, I, I want to invite you back on. I hope you come back on and talk further on, on this as, as it goes down the road. Oh, absolutely, and thank you very much for inviting me this evening, Don. No, uh, the pleasure's all mine. I certainly learned a lot. Thank you. Take care. You have a great evening. I hope our audience did as well. Well, folks, that's the end of the day today. Um, Our guests are invited here because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening. We will be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you, uh, you heard today, tell others about it. 
Uh, like us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Uh, for those here uh, in the studio and for our guests, uh, we thank you and good night. <laughs>